This is the Kate Daly Show. I think it's hurt us a lot. <laughs> oh, welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. I'd like to correct uh, some history that we're kind of steeped in right now. You know, the, a lot of talk about reparations, you know, from the the idiot Marianne who's running for president. But um, but also there's a lot of talk about this and there's a lot of talk about our whiteness and our blackness. Right. And and how um, slavery we keep going back to this issue. We keep going back to the the you know, we're such a racist nation. And I would like to draw attention to something that we've been told that isn't quite right. And I think if we all understood what I'm about to talk about, I think, and and a lot of you probably will probably understand why I'm addressing this, is because we're sold such a box of rocks um, in history, all the crap we learned in high school, that's exactly right, is that if we understood a little bit more, if this was actually talked about the way it happened, do you think our country would be different? I do. So I want to talk a little bit because I just covered maybe a humorous way to shine a light on what's going on to wake people up out of their slumber when a government becomes really oppressive. Okay, and I just talked about Norway and what, what these two guys did in within their court system to show that the Justice Department had gotten so so horribly bad. And I want to talk about our history a little bit here in America um, with uh, the Underground Railroad because that story is very interesting. I asked my um, son, I said, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Underground Railroad? And we were talking about a lot of Americans, the first person they think of is Harriet Tubman. She's on a ship. She's on a stamp. They wanted to put her on the, on the uh, I think it was a replacer with, you know, for the $20 bill. She, museums, that was a couple of years ago. Museums, um, I mean, uh, parks, street, I mean, you name it, you name it. She's become this icon. But the problem is, is that we weren't really told the correct story. And there was an author back in the 40s that tried to tell the correct story about her. And they actually, about the whole situation, not just her, but the whole situation. And he was really condemned for it. I mean, he really faced a lot of persecution for trying to get to just talk about the truth of what actually happened back in the uh, late 1700s and the 1800s. And the reason that I say this is, is because this got rolling in the late 1700s and they started devising these plans, these escape routes. Um, And Harriet Tubman wasn't even born until 1820. In fact, she didn't even escape her uh, situation until 1849, almost 1850. And so she came along later in the game. She came along much later in the Underground Railroad. And when you look her up, a lot of people will look up, you know, who was the founder. And they always try to insert Harriet Tubman's name, which I always find find a little compelling that they're always trying to do that. But then they use language like, well, she was a very prominent figure of the Underground Railroad. Or she was uh, the Moses of her people and, and so forth. But let me talk about what actually, what really happened going back. And the the records are hard to come by just because we just, they they don't go here a lot. But it was the Quaker abolitionists. There were actually 
many, many white couples and, 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 and white gentlemen that helped well over thousands of slaves, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 slaves, putting everything on the line, and I mean everything, to create this Underground Railroad. It wasn't exactly an Underground Railroad. It was very figurative, but it was uh, an underground sort of resistance to what was going on. And there were many, many, many people who wanted to change the system, sort of like George Washington wanted to change the system. And he even had slaves, but he also understood that they wanted something very different here and that this was a way of life for everybody. This was very, very common, um, not for everybody, but it was common and it was accepted, but they knew that they were going to be changing this. But the Underground Railroad came by way of devising meeting points, because this always intrigues me, too, is how they did it. Meeting points and secret routes and transportation and safe houses. And the one thing to understand about this is nobody ever had a clear uh, big picture of what was going on. They were very compartmentalized so that the whole plan would never be interrupted. And you would go to a safe house of this gentleman over here. It could be white or could be black or could be from a different country because there were all different kinds of races involved in this um, in helping. But you wouldn't you would only know the next destination. You wouldn't know three destinations ahead. Okay, and so basically they had these connecting stations and they had uh, former slaves. They had freeborn blacks. They had white abolitionists who put their careers on the line and money on the line. They also had Native Americans that were helping out, too. They had church clergy. They had congregations played a role, especially the Religious Society of Friends, the Quakers, the Congregationalists, uh, the Reformed Presbyterians, and uh, a lot of mainstream uh, denominations at the time, Methodist and American Baptists. And to reduce the risk of infiltration, a lot of people associated the Underground Railroad knew only their part. That's why I say they were the conductors, the people that actually brought them from house to house or area to area. The conductor pretended to be a slave sometimes in order to enter a plantation. Um, they basically, uh, they traveled at night, about 10 to 20 miles to each station. They rested and then they would, uh, they would keep going and they called them depots and stations. They came up with different words so that they couldn't be discovered, so that people would and understand. And these were located in barns and under church floors and hiding places and caves and hollowed out riverbanks all along the way. There were people that made this possible. And a lot of white people made this possible along with the free born blacks or the uh, those that had already escaped. And then, of course, it was to get to Canada, which they called the promised land. Um, you know, the song Swing Low, it's the song Swing Low points to this because it, they were talking about they would use sometimes songs, hair Harriet Tubman would, too, songs in code um, to talk to other people and to kind of give them a message. And so as they would uh, travel on boat or on train, there were people that paid for it. They were called the stockholders. These were the people that actually put in their, their family fortunes to make sure that they could help out with this effort. It was large. It was a big effort. Harriet Tubman ended up saving about 70 people. She did about 13 runs. A lot of the gentlemen that started from the very beginning in this literally saved thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of slaves to get out of their areas. And um, 
And when they say there's a lot of history that says it started in the 30s, but there's also a lot of history that goes to the way back machine and says, no, this actually started in the in the late 1700s after that first uh, act was passed. You know, the slave act was passed. And so um, they had station masters. They had the stockholders. They contributed money or goods. um, And then um, they uh, they also had their songs. Like I said, the follow the drinking gourd, a lot of different songs that would help people understand. They also followed the Big Dipper. They they looked up into the sky. They knew that moss grew on the north side of trees. And so they, because uh, many, many, many were illiterate. And so that this is how they found their way. And they would share this information amongst each other. Um, and then, um, of course, uh, if you were caught, oh boy, and many of them were, many of them were uh, thrown into court and, and so forth because of, of their involvement in it and what they, were, what they were up against, what they were doing. But what I wanted to bring um, attention to as well was that these people were very, um, they were very solid. They knew, they, they had their own ideas. They knew exactly what they were about. They understood why they were doing what they were doing and would have done it all over again. In fact, um, uh, Harriet Tubman went on um, to um, go and, and help the military. She helped the military. She helped um, and, and, like I said, save about 70 slaves. But she wasn't the biggest icon in this whole thing. It's just she was female. She was black. She was a great, you know, kind of person to put at the helm of this. But had they told the truth about this story, had they told the truth about so many different people that stepped in to risk it all, white and black, and Native American, wouldn't we be so much of a different country right now? Wouldn't we be so different? In fact, Tubman um, was friends with Thomas Garrett, a Quaker station master. He actually saved almost 3,000 slaves at the outbreak of the Civil War. They had, uh, we had uh, various people, various stories that came out of this, of individuals that, like William Still, they had William Still, and, uh, and also... Um, um, William Still actually was uh, was a person that kind of called the father of the Underground Railroad and helped uh, hundreds of slaves to escape. Um, and then also we have uh, stories of the couples, the couples that worked together to do this, too. And I think looking back at this, um, I don't know about you, but one thing that interests me about this story is how they did it. Because because of um, not having a lot of education, how did they devise a system under the system of a very oppressive system at the time to do what they did? That's, that's number one. And I think it was the ingenuity of so many people that honestly, truly came to their aid to do it. They had to have had that in order to work together. They had to name things different things and so people wouldn't understand. There was a Presbyterian, a Presbyterian minister, Rankin, um, and who was very, very involved and um, was, in, uh, was in court and, and had, to, had to go through and, and you know, lose things in order to be part of this, um, this experience. But was okay to do so they were, they were they were very much in favor of this and really wanted to understand what they could do to help out um i also look at at some of these individuals um that that were so willing to do it by saying that this was about the human cause and that 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 was the only reason that they were there um 
so many of them, their communities knew, their um, congregations, like I said, were involved, that you can't overlook the fact that it took a lot of people to understand what was going on at the time. But we, um, even coming from this situation, even back then, and we had white slaves, we had Irish slaves, we had um, um, all kinds of, of slavery issues going on. In fact, if you really wanted to get into this issue, I could talk about the fact that uh, the lifelong slave, the lifelong slave idea actually came from a black slave owner um, to their own black slave. That actually uh, stemmed from that. And, and at, the, at the time, it was a slave for a certain amount of time. Um, to earn passage or voyage, but also, and that could go with white slaves too, but at the time, but as far as that goes, the one that came up with that was actually a black slave owner at the time um, or early in the um, uh, earlier part of the the century before. So it's kind of interesting how that all plays out in in our history. Um, The individuals involved, there were really kind of, I think more or less maybe eight individuals or couples, if you will, that really, uh, the president of the Underground Railroad, Levi Coffin, um, he became an abolitionist at the age of seven, and he started bringing food to fugitives, and he was actually a very prosperous merchant that put it all on the line, and and they think he saved about 3,300 slaves, he and his wife, Catherine, and uh, they went around to to honestly go around and, and talk to everybody about being part of this. They had uh, sewing society meetings where they would meet about this. And then his fellow Quaker, Thomas Garrett, um, even remained defiant when dragged into court and said, we're ignoring the laws. We're ignoring the laws and we're doing this and you can't stop us and that, uh, and that we are going to make these changes. How different would our society today be if we talked about all of the white individuals that were some of the biggest part of the forming of the Underground Railroad, because it wasn't Harriet Tubman. She used the system after it had already been around around 70 to 80 years. That 70 or 80 years was that that whole entire time was a lot of congregations going to bat a lot of people along the way devising a system. How different would the talks of reparations be today? How different? We probably wouldn't be having them. But this is what our kids don't understand. This is what we're not getting, is how many people were part of that. And it was a large group of people. This was not just a select number. There were a lot of people in the know on this. It had to have been that way in order for it to be successful and remain underground. And as we bring some truth to history... Can we please talk about the actual truth? Harriet Tubman's a fine individual. She wasn't the one that went to bat in the very beginning and devised all of that. She's still a, a, a great individual, nice individual. But it's interesting how our history books have to, had to pick it up from the 40s on and then go back in history and try and change our outlook on that. Isn't that interesting? Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. 